Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. And before we dive into today's conversation, you're actually tuning into an exclusive replay of an Instagram live interview. And we'll be answering questions and interacting with the live audience over on my Instagram at Soul Studio Marketing. So let's get right into today's episode. Hey, hello everyone. Happy Friday. We are going live for the podcast. Woohoo! So thank you for being on the Shine Online podcast. I knew when I started the show, I was like making a list and I was like, I know I want Joelle on here because I just feel like your story and the expertise you have is just so amazing. So thanks for being down to be on the podcast and do it live. Oh, well, you are welcome. (laughs) I think this is such a fun idea. I know we were like talking before this of like, I just love how creative this is of being able to do the video with the recording simultaneously. So, you know, thank you. I feel honored. Awesome. Well, if anyone does have questions or comments while we're having this conversation, just put them in the little question box or comment then as we go. But I really want to start out on your journey because I know your business has evolved over the few years and I actually don't know your origin story. So (laughs) fill us in on like how you got started and how you got to be where you are now. Yeah. Okay. So it is quite the origin story, I suppose. Um, I got into photography about nine years ago while I was in high school. And it just, you know, was something that I was inspired by a friend's 365 day project. I thought it looked really fun. So it just got me into photography for myself. And I remember I gave myself full permission to just like get super creative, like the excessive vignetting that you would have around the borders. Like I just went all out with that. I edited everything with PicMonkey. It was a whole thing. I loved PicMonkey. <laughs> it's still around, but I was obsessed yeah. too. That is so funny. <laughs> it was my favorite thing. I thought it was the most magical thing in the world. So it all started nine years ago and everything has evolved so much since then. Um, I started with portraits and then I was doing graduations and that led into couples and events and then weddings, which then led to pursuing boudoir shortly after I got married um, and adding in branding sessions. And last year was when I really niched down and found a lot of clarity on like what I wanted to pursue long term. So I basically took a step back from weddings, which is what I had you know, made a name for myself and probably like better than anything so far. And last year was the biggest year I'd had yet (laughs) with uh, 16 weddings. And they were all Fridays and Sundays, like none of them were on Saturdays. And it was just like, it was a really big deal for me. But it was also a lot and very eye opening as far as like how much I could personally handle and where my passions were beginning to pivot towards. So that opened the door towards really like taking the full step into like, I felt God saying like, you know, it's okay to step back. Like now is the time to be able to do that. And now it's kind of ironic seeing everything happening now. (laughs) Like, well, maybe there was a reason for that. So I really took a full step into pursuing boudoir and branding full time. 
as well as coaching. And that's where I'm at now. That is amazing. And I'm sure a lot of people kind of are wondering how to like so naturally evolve with your business because when something's going really well and you're having your biggest year, I'm sure it was scary to shift and be like, actually, I'm going to not do that anymore and do something kind of completely different. Like, was that scary for you? Like, how did that transition even look? Yeah, it was. um, It's funny because the day that it happened, it it kind of had been simmering in my heart for a a few months. And I think that's how it starts is like, there's just like this unrest kind of like, that's the best way I know to describe it. And you kind of, you put it off and you deny it and you try and like figure out like, no, this is like, you know, we just have to push forward, like persist, you know, there's like this inner dialogue that goes on. But I remember the morning that I just felt God say like, now is when you need to make that announcement, (laughs) like tell people like, this is what's happening was we were actually out of town in Wisconsin. And I was sitting at a Starbucks working on another project that I won't say anything about. (laughs) And it was just this like piece that washed over me of like, there's absolutely no denying. And I'm very faith-based, obviously for anyone who doesn't know, you've probably picked up on it by now. Um, And so a lot of how I'm able to come to peace with my decisions is just knowing like, do I feel at peace about this? Like, is this something I feel at peace about? Because if it is, then we're going to do it. And if it's not, Mm -hmm. then that's worth paying attention to as well. So, you know, as far as like naturally pivoting, like it, you know, maybe sometimes it feels natural. Um, it did a little bit in that season, but at the same time, there was so much headbutting that was happening, you know, that you're going to have a bit of resistance. But if you've read Marie Forleo's book, Everything is Figure oh, Outable, so she, oh, I love it so much. It's one of my favorite books ever. And she has an entire chapter on, I can't remember if it's about dream setting or something, but she points out pivoting. Like when you know, like about the right time to pivot, sometimes you just know in your heart and it's okay to let go of things and it's okay to adjust your sales a little bit because, you know, for all of my fellow multi-passionate entrepreneurs out there, like I am very Mm multi-passionate. I love doing all the things. And one of the greatest things I think I've ever done for myself is giving myself permission to evolve and try new things. And, you know, you don't have to stay with the same thing for 10 years. Like I've adjusted things in my business probably every two to three years. I used to um, run a magazine in high school and I thought that was going to be the long-term thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then we hit photography and you know, it's just one of those things that you have to pay attention to, um, but have fun with it. Yeah. I think when you fight it instead of embracing it is when it can feel like a burden to be multi-passionate. And I just love how you really kind of just didn't fight it because I remember that chapter very distinctly that you're talking about. And I know you sometimes have this goal and you're so set on reaching it, but then it shifts and it's no longer a goal. And like, you can feel so stubborn where you're like, but I I knew I wanted to be the best wedding photographer. That's what I wanted to do. But you're like, actually I don't anymore. And that's totally okay too. So I love that you mentioned that chapter because it was one of my favorites. Thanks. It was one of mine too. (laughs) And I want to talk about boudoir because boudoir is super niche and related to photography um, and kind of your brand war, which I don't know if that's like your own term, but I love that. And I know for myself, I was kind of like, 
would I ever get a boudoir session? But when I see how you do it, I totally get it. And I love your passion for it. So kind of explain like why you choose boudoir and how, like why that was what really lit you on fire for this next chapter for you. Yeah, I, um, so to answer your question about Brandvar, I did coin it. It was very spontaneous. <laughs> Thank you. I love it too. It's like one of my like nuggets of pride that I hold on to. But um, I got into boudoir shortly after we got married. And really the best way to explain it is I, I grew up in a very conservative setting. Like I have a, come from a Christian background. My dad was a pastor for a lot of my growing up. I was taught about modesty and, you know, everything. But my parents have always been so loving and accepting, like they've been so supportive of this journey, which I'm just incredibly grateful for because not everyone has that experience. But coming from that background, I'd never thought about boudoir as a possibility for me, you know, because a lot of the typical boudoirs more on the risque side, um, you know, very sexy, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what some people need. But for me, it was a shock to the system. And so the style that I've brought to it, I didn't see at first, but it was after we got married. There's just something that happens where you, you know, when you're tied to somebody who genuinely loves you for everything that you are, they see things that you hadn't seen before. And so all of a sudden, I was, you know, more comfortable with my body than I'd ever thought possible. I loved parts of myself that I didn't like I used to um, be really self-conscious about like my gums when I smile Mm. Um, now I don't care like (laughs) that's a part of it's beautiful you know and or like my arms used to be something I was really self-conscious about and and then I you know was like well I really love toned arms I'm gonna tone my arms up and now they're I love my arms Um, so just being around somebody who spoke a sense of encouragement and life over me and my body, I think made such a huge difference. And it changed something inside of me where I wanted to be able to do that for other people. Um, and I actually had a girl reach out to me asking for recommendations of if I knew any other boudoir photographers, I could refer to her because she was getting married. And this thought had been simmering in the back of my mind for, for a couple months now. And I was like, well, if you would be up for it, I would love to be able to do a session with you and just kind of play around with it and see how it goes. It's something I'm interested in. And so we set a date and we got together and we did the thing. And it was just one of the most life-giving experiences for both of us. And that was when I knew that I wanted to be able to add that to my repertoire. And if there was, you know, that tug and pull again of like, what are people going to think? Like, how yeah. are they going to respond, especially coming from a Christian background, just mm-hmm. having no idea what feedback I was going to get. But that night I posted a photo from our session with her permission and the response I got was amazing. I had, I think I had at least five to seven girls immediately DMing me wanting a session. And they were all girls I'd either gone to church with or gone to school with, which was a Christian academy. So that was just like really eye-opening to me of like, people need this. They're Mm -hmm. wanting it. um, And they might just not feel like they can ask for it, but that doesn't mean it's not something they want. Um, So that was kind of how boudoir came to be. (laughs) I love that story. And I love how you come from it from like a confidence point of view, almost like your own confidence journey inspired you to have your clients have that same experience. I know a lot of people struggle with confidence, especially as an entrepreneur, because there's so many things that you can be insecure about. Like every insecurity you had at first is like, 
doubled, you know, with everything, whether it's your personality, how you handle stress, like how you present yourself on video, like just showing up on stories is sometimes people's biggest fear. Um, What tips would you have for people that struggle with confidence as an entrepreneur and like are wanting to step into that next version of themselves and like truly transform? Yeah. Well, we've all been there. I can tell you for sure. I don't feel confident half the time in different things. And you just kind of have to, sometimes you have to give yourself a pep talk. One thing that I really want to do is I, um, I'm in my office right now and I want to be able to get a mirror that I'm going to put up above my, my bookshelf over here and just put a bunch of post-it notes with like affirmations that, that, you know, I can just like stand in front and say them to myself every day. And just, you know, I mean, you can always take that approach if that's something that resonates with you, but before anything else, I think the thing that is really important to remember is that confidence is a skill set. It's not something anyone is naturally born with, not even Beyonce, as much as we idolize her, like she was not born with that kind of confidence. The thing that brings confidence is doing something over and over and over and over again. So starting out with photography, if you look at some of my first photos, they are not what they are now. Um, And it was only because I did the thing over and over and over again and put myself out there time and time again, that I've been able to grow in those areas. So, you know, anytime that you're at the early stages, whether you're in your business or, you know, with your, you accepting your body and yourself as it is, like, it's going to feel a little tricky and it's going to feel weird and daunting and you might not feel as confident, but that doesn't mean that you never will, (laughs) you know, absolutely takes a lot of repetition. They say that when we're about to buy something, a lot of times we have to see it about 12 times, I think it is before we actually take the leap. And so if you take that and you put it into perspective of like, how much are you talking positively to yourself? Like, you know, I wish I had this statistic, like to be able to properly quote, but I know there's like a certain amount of times that you need to say a positive thought in order Mm -hmm. to combat a negative one. And so just really loving on yourself and giving yourself some grace to be able to mess up and try again um, and be able to see every um, moment of growth as an opportunity to get one step further because it's just baby steps. You just got to do one step at a time. Yes, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that holds people back is thinking it has to be perfect and you have to know what you're doing to start anything. But like whenever someone asks me, like, how do you get confident to be on Instagram stories without makeup? And I'm like, you just keep doing it. <laughs> like, I wish there was something else, but that's honestly the truth with video, with anything in your business is just like really owning the things you are good at, but also learning that you have to practice to get good at the things that are really hard at first, you know? Exactly. And I want to talk about one thing I know you posted about was that you had like one of your biggest income months um, in 2019 last year. And I would assume that was probably to attribute to you doing a lot of different things for your income. Like you weren't just doing one thing, you were doing coaching, you know, you had your courses, like how has diversifying your income streams helped you reach your income goals and really scale your business? Yeah, it's been a game changer. It's been it's one of those things that feels really daunting at first, but once you start playing around with it, it is so fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Um, and I just want to give anyone listening to this encouragement right now of just start small. Like it's okay to like stack things on one at a time. I mean, I launched my first course last summer. And since then I've been able to produce a few more, which is awesome. But yeah. you just have to start with one and see how it goes. And you're gonna have to do it over and over and over again until you 
you find some kind of a sweet spot. You know, it, yeah. it takes a lot of times to be able to figure out what works and what doesn't. And that's okay. Like you'll learn a ton from that experience. But as far as diversifying your income goes, like there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Obviously, the first thing that we think of is passive income. Mm -hmm. So online courses or, you know, even participating in online summits. There's yeah. a lot of great group collabs going on right now. Ebooks or summits or course bundles are all great options to be able to partner with other people and still have a piece of the pie to be able to keep for yourself as well. Yeah. You could look into affiliate links. So, you know, one of the affiliate links that I partner with is HoneyBook. Yep. And that's a really great source of income. And the thing I want to say about affiliate links is you want to make sure it's something that you actually you know, don't be choosing something that you're just half-heartedly putting out there. You want it to be something that is actually going to have made an impact for you so that mm -hmm. you can genuinely share it with others. Yeah. Um, people can tell, <laughs> you know, and your captions and what you say, whether you mean something or whether you're just faking it and trying to, you know, earn a, an extra buck here or two. So that's something that I just want to, you know, give a cautionary tale on. But I use HoneyBook. It's the CRM software. Um, and I love it to death. It has saved my butt on so many occasions because it has everything in one spot. You can do scheduling, contracts, invoices, the whole shebang. And I can earn an affiliate income by sharing an affiliate link that you have when you sign up so that mm -hmm. other people can get 50% off through my link. And then mm -hmm. I earn a commission through that. So it's a really great way to be able to make some income while sharing something that I would already naturally be talking about. Yeah. So you could, you know, passive income, affiliate income, obviously having different services can mm -hmm. be really helpful as well. And that's where pricing tiers comes into play. Is it okay if I dive into yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. <laughs> um, so I'm a big fan of pricing tiers because it gives you more options to be able to work with. And it's also a lot more service oriented towards your community, your audience, your people. So I break them down into three. You want a low level pricing tier, which that's probably going to be more like if you have an online shop with resources, maybe an ebook, some presets, those would count as a low level pricing tier, like income. Um, then you have your mid pricing. And those are the things like, you know, maybe they're your online courses. They could be affiliate links, depending on what, you know, level of commission you're getting, or maybe you're doing like some guest speaking for a conference and you're being paid a certain amount for that, that could count as a mid-level. And then high level are going to be those like top ticket items. So if you're a wedding photographer, that counts as a high level. You're getting yeah. thousands of dollars. If you're a business coach, you're probably going to have a high level one-on-one -on -one intensive. So mm -hmm. those are a couple of ideas. But breaking it down into those three sections is going to help a ton as far as giving you some organizational method. Yeah. But it's also going to help you know what you can offer people when they slide into your DMs or when you're having a a conversation in person, maybe you're talking with a friend because you can kind of gauge where they're at, you know, based yeah. on all these different offers, not only are they going to be different income wise, as far as how much people are going to pay you monetarily, they're also going to be different as far as how much work they're going to put into it and you know what you're going to deliver. And so if somebody is looking for something that doesn't take a lot of time and they're not going to have to pay a bunch of money for, then your low level is going to be a really good fit for both of you. Mm -hmm. So diversifying your income is just amazing all around. It's so nice, especially when, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're in COVID-19 right now. So everyone's kind of scrambling around trying to figure out all those different things right now. 
Um, and that was a really great time to be thinking about stuff like this of, you know, you know, if there's a next wave that hits of, you know, maybe it's not COVID-19, but it could be something else. Um, you know, what are you going to have in your back pocket as a backup or as second, third, fourth, fifth stream of income that can help you while you're figuring out a plan B? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think I love how you broke it down with three tiers because I think you can think of so many ideas like, oh, I need to do a course and then I need to do like five ebooks and you have to do all these things. But if you really just have like three offers and you really focus on being able to serve different people, because like, you know, what I might want to sell on my Instagram DMs might be completely different than what I would do when I'm being referred to someone for monthly management, budget wise, their needs, the different client avatars for certain people. So I love how you broke that down. And I love how you mentioned HoneyBook because I really want to talk about just like client experiences in general, because I know that's something that's really important to you. It's also something that I've been really focusing on for my clients and they're usually with me for like a year or two or more, um, is how you can really make your clients feel special when you're, you know, onboarding them through the process, just really nurturing that relationship. So what are some things that you've done that make your clients feel really special and have enhanced your onboarding process? That's a great question. I love thinking about this because client experience is such a fun topic for me. You know, the first thing that you think of is client gifts, um, but it doesn't have to be limited to that. You know, HoneyBook has all these different features that you can utilize to enhance your client experience in a, in a different way. So for example, you could come up with a client communication workflow where maybe you have a set amount of templates let's take the coaching example. So let's say that you're working with somebody on a monthly basis and you're coaching them week to week. You might have weekly homework assignments or check-ins with them. And if that's similar for multiple clients, then you can create templates for that and just automate your emails to pop in their inbox once a week throughout your time together and say, hey, just checking in on this, what we talked about. And here's a couple things to keep in mind for this week. And here's what I'm working on for you. And here's what I need from you for me. And that's a really great way to be able to communicate effectively with your clients because, you know, just like in any relationship or friendship, communication is a game changer. You know, if you're not communicating well, then things start to fall apart. And the same thing happens with your clients. So you want to be there for them in every capacity. And that's one of the best ways. Another thing I really love doing is sending questionnaires. And with my coaching gals, I'll send them questions like, you know, talk to me about your onboarding process and, you know, where, where's the bulk sources of your income coming from? Do you have pricing tiers? Like I'll ask them all these detailed questions so that I get a really clear look as to where they're at and then where they want to go and how I can help them get there. Another idea that you could do is like if you have a really extensive questionnaire. So for example, Sam, I think she might still be here. Natasha, you know her as well. She's a website designer and she sends these really intensive questionnaires to her clients because she needs all these kinds of elements. SEO and what's your mission statement, all these different pieces that come into play with designing the website. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when she sends these questionnaires, she'll also send a $10 Starbucks gift card and say, Hey, go, you know, pop on over to Starbucks, give yourself a little business date, make this a fun time. It's such a good way of getting them to be able to get deliverables back to you in a timely manner Mm -hmm. while also making it fun for them. Like it's a fun experience. (laughs) So 
those are a couple of ways that I use it. But I mean, I love how you can automate things through HoneyBook. It's so nice. They've got workflows. You know, I'm working on building a couple new ones in my repertoire as well because I've, you know, I've got one set up for boudoir and I need to update mine on branding and coaching. Yeah. Um, but basically, what workflows are is there a way for you to be able to log all of those different steps mm-hmm. of, you know, those weekly check-ins you're sending, or if you're sending them a welcome guide to kind of like nail down what they can expect from you and what what it's going to look like week to week, or if you're sending that email with that Starbucks gift card, you can kind of log all those different steps in a workflow in HoneyBook and it will automatically send those updates to your clients for you, mm-hmm. um, which is just so nice. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's like, I remember when I first started, I was like a tool like HoneyBook or Dubsado, like it seems like such an unnecessary expense, but it is such a game changer because all the things you really touched on is it's really just being thoughtful and thinking of your client and what they need. It's not about giving them things. It's about thinking like, what do they really need help with? Because like, one of the things I noticed is that since my clients are longer term, that they really just had a lot of questions about Instagram. They wanted to know how Slack worked. They wanted to know all these things. So I was like, why don't I make like a portal with like a bunch of video tutorials? Like it wasn't that yes. I needed to make anything really big, but it was that I was thinking of their needs. Or even one thing that I've done is um, with Moo, which you can do like business cards. I got like custom cards that like kind of welcome them to the family. And I've gotten so many clients where they were like, oh, I don't remember the last time I got a card in the mail. And it's just like being really thoughtful with little things. But I love how you touched about like automating because when you can be organized for your clients, like they can feel so much more at ease that what they're investing in you is actually, you know, happening. It's organized. We have dates, we have payment schedules. Like it really helps both parties essentially. Yeah. There's so much freedom that comes in having systems and a structure. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But I want to touch a little bit on Instagram because we both love Instagrams and we both have really fostered awesome communities on Instagram. Um, Specifically for photographers or coaches or anything that you've really noticed that has really been a game changer for you when it comes to growing your Instagram and really, you know, making authentic connections with it. Mm, Yeah, I've got to think there's so many ideas that immediately come to mind. (laughs) Which one do I choose? It's like, you got to just like stick your arm out and grab it. Um, You know, I mean, there's lots of different ways you can do this. But I think the thing that you've got to keep in mind before doing any kind of strategies is just, you know, what is your long term game? Like what, what are you wanting to bring to the table that is going to make a lasting impact for people. Mm -hmm. Because like I mentioned before, like short term gains are only going to get you so far. You have to think long term, especially with Instagram growth strategies. So think about that before anything. Um, But a couple of ways that you can start to grow your audiences or your following into a more loyal capacity is collaborations are a great way. Stuff like this. I mean, you know, people are going live more often. Natasha and I are on a live right now on Instagram and it's hitting both of our audiences. And if we have the replay up later, I I believe that'll hit both of our audiences as well, which is great for both of us because we're cross promoting. So doing anything like that, anytime that you can, you know, have someone on your podcast or um, have them on your blog, or you're doing something for somebody else's platform, if they put something on their stories, and they use your name sticker, people love to tap. stickers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that is just like a huge win for you. 
But you can also do this by, you know, following Mm -hmm. hashtags. So if there are relevant hashtags in your space where you're able to follow it and then interact with people as it shows up in your feed. I love encouraging people to figure out who their ideal client avatar Mm -hmm. is. And then if you create a name for your ICA, and then you can search the name and just find people who seem like they really align with who your ideal Mm -hmm. client is um, and just build relationships. Really, that's all it comes down to is you want to build those relationships because one-on-one is going to get you so much further than a thousand to one. You know, like if you think about uh, in a classroom setting, like if you have a teacher with 20 kids, she is not going to be able to make as much of an impact and have as much of a voice as she does one-on-one because you get those questions, you get those pain points, you're able to have more of a say and an impact in something. And so building relations with people, a lot of times this happens in the DM. So what you can do is anyone who is commenting in your posts, go to their feed and start a conversation with them. Like it does not have to be salesy. It's just building a relationship, start with a friendship um, and just see how it goes and like be their cheerleader, be their hype girl or whatever label you want to put on it. Um, You know, that's really where you want to start. Yeah. I think that's just amazing because that's really how I like to go about things too, because I think you always think like you have to market your business and sell things on Instagram, but it really comes from just treating people like people and people want to connect with other people. So just like sending messages to talk to people, like using social media to be social, it seems like such a like crazy concept, but that's really how you grow a community. Like people always ask me, and I'm sure you get this question too, where they're like, how do you build a community? Like, I feel like people aren't, you know, wanting to engage with my stuff or all these different things, but it's like, you literally just treat people like you would, you know, if you're networking at an event or anything else like that. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, that's that's so true. And you can do the same with, I mean, you saying networking at an event just like gave me this idea yeah. of like when you do meet someone in person, I like to use my Instagram as my business card nowadays. So I'll just, you know, ask them for their handle so I can follow them. But they also have like, there's the name tag. Yes, feature. I love that feature. Yes. Which that took me way <laughs> too long to figure out. <laughs> but you never use it like day to day. Like you'd only use it really right. at a networking event. So it's like, you never really get to explore it. But yeah, the, the name tag is like such a game changer. You don't have to sell anything. So good. I want to talk about burnout and rest because I know that's something that's really important to you. That's something I think in general as a business owner is like a journey of itself is like figuring out how to find balance and boundaries and how to avoid burnout because it sounds like this like scary monster that is out to get every single entrepreneur, but it really is real. So do you want to kind of talk about your journey with that? Like how you overcome that and how you found rest in this season that you're in now? Yeah, definitely. So earlier when you mentioned about how I'd put a post up about, you know, making the most income I ever had last year, like that was also the month that I hit burnout and it was severe. It was so bad. Um, And I just remember sitting in the car with Sam at the time and I didn't even fully comprehend what was happening at the time. I just knew that I was starting to hit a wall. And I was hosting a workshop at the time and done airport runs to pick up half of the girls who came and um, didn't get to sleep until about 1.30 in the morning mm. and then woke back up at... Um, actually, I think it was later than that, like 3 or something, because I remember yeah. I only got about 2 to 3 hours of sleep yeah. the night before this workshop was happening. Woke up early to photograph a boudoir session for 
one of the girls oh my gosh. and then had uh, Sam and another girl go pick up coffee for everyone. They got back and it was just kind of go, go, go. And I was just exhausted. I was like, you know, I was carrying through, but it was purely based off of adrenaline. And it was this moment where I was so bummed afterwards because I was like, I feel like I didn't get to Mm. genuinely connect with half of the girls who were there because I wasn't able to be fully present with them. And you know, thankfully that night I got to bed real early, (laughs) caught up on some sleep. And the next day was a much better day. And I was able to make some more connections with the girls, but it was just this huge learning point for me where I was like, I'm never letting that happen ever again. We've got to set some boundaries. And it's funny because when we think about boundaries, often they're this really taboo thing. Like they sound really like the bad guy, but they're not. Boundaries are your best friend because Mm -hmm. they create more freedom and they give yourself the space to be able to do what really makes you thrive, where you're able to make more of a difference and to be able to like keep going at a, at a rate that you wouldn't have been able to before. So Mm -hmm. when it comes time to creating some boundaries for yourself, what you really have to think about is, I mean, let's go through an exercise first. There's this exercise that I heard on a podcast last year and I was like, this is genius. I'm doing it. I love it. And that was what started to change the game. And the first thing that you want to do is you want to write down on a piece of paper or maybe a blank calendar weekly one Mm -hmm. of like, what does your ideal week look like? What Mm -hmm. would you be doing every day? Um, Would you have uh, each day set aside for a certain task or set of tasks? Would you be working weekends or would you have them off? Just really map out what your ideal week would look like. And then you're going to set it side by side with your current week. Mm-hmm. And you're going to ask them a hard question like, okay, what can stay? What, what, is, what are those little things that like we can't really do much about? Maybe we have to pick the kids up mm-hmm. from school. Like we can't do much about that. Yeah. But what are the things that we need to let go of? They're not serving us well anymore. We're not giving our best. It's just no longer aligned. Um, it's okay to let go some of those things. At the time, I had a partnership with a company that just no longer felt aligned for me. And it was this, there were a couple of things, but it it was this hard decision of, you know, I knew that I needed to let it go, but I also Mm -hmm. didn't want to burn a bridge. And so, you know, just having that conversation of like, you know, there are just some things that I need to be focusing on in my business right now. And I cannot commit the time that I originally wanted to. And it can be as simple as that. Like you don't have to give in-depth reasons. It's okay to let things go because here's the thing. Like if you are not (laughs) fully in something, you're going to be half-heartedly putting in the work and it's not going to be a great partnership for the other person as well. So you're doing yourself a favor and you're also doing them a favor as well. And most people will understand. The other thing that I ended up letting go was I had a studio space at the time and it just didn't feel right anymore. I had so much anxiety when I would go into the studio. And I remember there was one day I was talking to Linda and my husband and and I was just like, I think I just need to let the studio go. And as soon as I said that out loud, it was this piece that washed over me and I just knew that was the right decision. And as soon as I started like making some of these tough changes of letting go of some of these partnerships, saying no to different things, really taking a clear look of like, okay, what is in my best interest and what Mm -hmm. aligns with the trajectory that I'm wanting to go? That was when things really started to fall into place. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was this very eye opening season. 
But it was after I'd made some of those decisions that I had one of the biggest breakthroughs in my business that I've ever had. And so it's just this really encouraging thing that happens. You know, it's, it's tough, but it's so, so good. Yeah. And I think a lot of the examples you gave, like there wasn't like it was the worst client ever or the worst studio ever. Like it doesn't have to be really bad for it to be a no for you. Like it can just be like, this is not a good fit anymore. Like I outgrew it. It's not serving me. There's something better. And I feel like every time you say no to something that's not serving you, like there always is something better, almost like right after, like the blessings always happen right after. I always feel like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I could not agree more with that. (laughs) Mm. I want to end off with something fun because I know you love books. So I want to... I want to test you. Can you give us like your three favorite books? Is that mean? That's probably a little... No, it's not mean. (laughs) Okay, three favorite books and I'll say one of mine. (laughs) Okay, Uh, three books. Everything is Outable by Marie Forleo. How to Get Ish Done by Erin Falconer. One of my favorites, And Atomic Habits by James Clear. Ooh, okay. I'll have to read that one because that's the only one that's not on my list, but we will link all of those in the show notes. And thank you so much for just chatting with me today and sharing all stories and knowledge. Um, For anyone that's listening to the replay of the podcast, um, where can they connect with you and learn more from you? Uh, My Instagram is Joelle Elizabeth Photo. I'm on there pretty much all week. (laughs) And then my website is joellelizabeth.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for everyone that tuned in live and we will all chat with you soon. Thank you so much to today's expert guest for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.